0: Back, Back to the point. To the point.
1: All right. Welcome to Back to the Point. Uh, it's been a while since we've recorded. This is the San Jose Sharks podcast. Uh, we did not record at all in the month of November. My name is Miggs, and the other host on the other end of the line is Ian. Uh, so let's just jump right into it. Um, by the way, that was uh, our lack of an intro music of sorts which we need to work on but um maybe maybe we'll just start doing that huh ian
0: yeah we've been we've been trying to figure out a a good intro and as non i was about to say as we are non-musical people i will say i am not a musical person migs is definitely better at that than i am uh but creating is definitely harder than playing (laughs) so we might just mess around with some fun intros for a little while who knows? Maybe we'll find one we like.
1: Yeah, who knows? Maybe it'll just hit us like this is this is what we need to do. This is it. Anyway, personally uh, I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah, it was fun. I always like matching tones. Yeah. Um a little bit of I, I always thought it'd be interesting if like a whole arena of people would match one tone and just they
0: they do that. It's it's called boo when a ref makes a bad call. Yeah. I think that's what makes it so special and so intimidating is because literally the whole arena is like into they're not all like yelling different things that just right. makes a loud noise. Like everyone just says boo. It's, it's like, like ooh, that's intimidating.
1: It's a pretty booming thing, yeah. But yeah. I think that you, I think that whole straight uh, that strange like noise that you hear is not strange. But when you match just a tone would be interesting because people can boo in a different tone and yeah. such. It's anyway. like
0: clapping. It's like everyone can clap at the same rhythm. It's just like innate. To sports fans. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, But yeah, November has come and gone, and with the holidays, we uh, were traveling, and we didn't get to record, so we're going to jump right in.
1: Yeah, so we'll talk first about the highs and lows of November generally. I guess I'll kick us off, and I'll say it was kind of a mixed bag of a month. I think I started to have some sour feelings towards the middle end of the month because of the lack of offensive production of the uh that the Sharks had I mean right around the middle of the month when we played LA and then Florida um Boston Anaheim Arizona after that we scored not more than three goals and um well we
0: scored three in Arizona
1: yeah we scored three in Arizona uh and three oh yes I'm looking at the wrong team uh it was pretty bad we scored max of two goals actually over those five yeah. games Per game, which
0: is which is in line with our like 2.24
1: goals per game
0: like goals per game
1: yeah which is yeah. second to last or last i heard it was second to last in the league i'm not it's really sure what it's at now
0: is it very bottom or just above bottom <laughs> is it know, terrible still or bottom
1: second <laughs> place terrible yeah um <laughs> but i think the, the i was pretty happy with the f- the first couple games of the month because I think we played well against a good Nashville team and I think we won that game pretty handily. We yeah, we, beat, we for sure did. We beat uh,
0: that was that was a complete game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I remember that being just like a, a like a perfect. Oh, I this is what the Sharks can do if everything goes well for them on a the night. Not necessarily they get all the bounces, but just like everyone is clicking.
1: I agree. Uh, The next game against Anaheim, I think that was one of the games where we had 40, 45-plus shots on goal, and we only (laughs) scored two goals. and Actually, we only scored one goal, and we won in a shootout. Um, So that was good that we... Oh, and actually, we were down by one goal for most of that game, and we scored in the third to tie, I believe, Joel Ward and Barkley Goudreau put something together, and um, that brought us to the shootout. But uh, I think things... We're kind of a bit depressing against Tampa on the 8th of November because I thought we had a really strong competitive first period and things just fell apart after that. Don't you remember that?
0: Yeah. I. They had played – no, they played the Kings Uh, on November 9th and we played them on November 8th. Uh, This – yeah, going into this game, and I will say about this, it was before the month of November, it was about a quarter of the way through the season – Oh, not a quarter, uh, an eighth, right? We were just around the ten-game low teens mark, and uh, after November was over, we're basically at a quarter-season mark. I think we're actually past it now. Where I think we're at. I think with the conclusion of tonight's second game against Light the Lightning, we are at twenty-five games played, I believe. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, going into this, um, these couple of games, it was still a, a little unsure if it was maybe some early uh you know goal scoring issues and really tight defense and maybe things would kind of turn for the better but i think uh as november has gone by it's become pretty clear that the sharks have the ability to score score one goal a game for sure uh <laughs> two likely three they're lucky and i think it was extremely and but even even with that just the way that the sharks are playing defense with their and their goalie Everyone's been saying that they're first in the NHL, and they are, but that's great, and it makes me feel better. Um, But then you come against a team like Tampa, which is just, like, all-around good. It's not like they're really good at offense and bad at defense. They're just, like, really good at offense. Their goaltending is one of the best in the league, maybe the best, with Vasilevsky with, like, 16 maybe not at the time of this game, but currently he's leading in wins and like fourth or fifth in like every other category. Um, And he's just like a huge person. So like that and their, and their defense is good too. Victor Hedman's having a good season. Like everything is coming together. And when you play a team like that, all the, like the good vibes that I had, like knowing we had our own problems and knowing that, you know, we could be really good and our defense is, you know, top notch and that can win us some games and maybe get us into the playoffs. But like coming against the Tampa Bay Lightning when they're just on a roll, it was very disheartening. Yeah. It was just like, oh, okay. All it takes is one bounce. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like preventing a team from scoring like that is easier, is harder. Than being on the other side trying to break through when you're such a high potent offense, because all it takes is you know a, a puck off someone's skate blade, you know, uh, just like a tri- tripping and falling when you're turning on a uh, on a forward to backwards thing. Yeah, and not that that happened during this game, but in the NHL it's so close all the time. Like just a bounce can go either way. And I think we're I think hitting this on game,
1: is taking advantage of mis- like little mistakes here and there.
0: No, I'm not even necessarily saying that. Uh, I'm definitely rambling, but um, yeah, I just I just feel like going into things as a really good, like the best, if if not the best, one of the best defensive teams with poor scoring. It's harder to win games that way than it is to be the highest power offense team and maybe not as good a defense. Yeah. Like this game basically was the best defense in the NHL versus the best offense in the NHL. And I think it was harder for the sharks than Mm -hmm. it was for the harder for the sharks to stop the like rolling force or whatever than it was for the, the lightning to like stop the immovable object, you know? Yeah. Because I think bounces and just random calls from the refs, stuff like that kind of favor in the terms of, the team with the higher offense.
1: Uh, yeah, I see what you're saying. It was um, it was tough. It was yeah, it was a game where our 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 defense was not sufficient. <laughs> our great defense was not sufficient against the great offense. So
0: yeah, and I think I think uh, I had like I, the first period went through and it was tied one one. Yeah, and I was feeling really good but just kind of going into what i was saying as soon as they got that second goal it just to start the second period i think it just kind of fell apart for the sharks and it was all Tampa Bay lightning from that point out and uh the second lightning game of the season has just concluded tonight and it was the same thing yeah it goes 1-1 into the third very tight game Tampa Bay getting a ton of shots the sharks doing a really good job of making sure to limit their dangerous scoring chances they have a set play through the neutral zone on a power play they use their bouncy boards to their advantage and they get a go-ahead goal at the beginning of the third period and then it just falls apart and they score four in a row you know yeah
1: and it's just same story
0: literally the same story except for i think in this game on the eighth it happened earlier
1: and we also i mean this is a back-to-back tonight the game that they just played because yeah, that was they played rough. in Florida uh, against the Panthers yesterday. And so maybe fatigue had more of a factor than that last Lightning game because I think they had three days off before that first game against the Lightning yep. on the 8th of November. Um, But yeah, I think that more of like mentally, psychologically, losing games like this to one of the best teams in the NHL when you want the Sharks to be doing well is a bit disheartening because you think of it as man you we have to be able to beat like these good teams you know um like yeah we can beat vancouver and the panthers and arizona and stuff but which you, we should be <laughs> winning those games i think but um you want to see good wins throughout the season against h- higher caliber teams um yeah and when you lose those games especially The way that we've lost to Tampa now twice, it's it's discouraging, like you said, with how things can just fall apart and unravel all of a sudden.
0: Yeah, it's like exactly what the critics are saying, you know? Yeah. It it proves them right, and as a fan, you know, I definitely want to always be realistic with the Sharks, but I'm always, you know, they're near and dear to my heart and they're they're gonna pull me probably more positive than
1: (laughs) you're always optimistic but you want to be realistic yeah (laughs) yeah exactly i know that feeling
0: games like this and i I feel like maybe the past like five seasons the sharks generally do pretty well against tough teams coming in like i feel like we always have really good games against chicago Mm -hmm. you know yes maybe when they are more of a powerhouse earlier um And I feel like the the games that really get us are against the kind of bottom teams or the lower half. And uh, we don't always get really, really, really stung by a really good team, and we totally did. Mm. (coughs) Excuse me, sorry. Yeah, and and then I think that kind of that frustration kind of boiled over into the next game. Like, we played Vancouver, and even then we really couldn't quite get things. Actually, no, we got two early goals, and then we just kind of sat back for the majority of the game. And then, to end the game, we got a lot of empty net kind of short headed stuff when they were really trying to pull the goalie, so the five zero score is a little bit inflated,
1: yeah, misleading,
0: but yeah, even that game like we looked like we were in control, and I think the early goals definitely helped us kind of sit back and just kind of roll lines uh but it it didn't look like a like a stifling performance from our defense, yeah, and um, yeah, I think I'll just jump into the next topic here that kind of talks about
1: wait can i bring up one more thing ian sure the i thought the la game the day after that vancouver game was kind of a an interesting mixed bag in and of itself because la was up for up or the game was tied for the majority of the game and i think we were pretty much losing the possession battle for most of that game but i think we stuck stuck it out and and you know our defense came through goaltending came through and we were able to tie it up and get the lead late and then hold on to the win so that was cool in that sense but again one of those things where you would want again that comment going back to that theme of you would want the offense to be more potent so that you know we're not just relying on our defense and our goaltending while great and very encouraging uh you get the sense that there's definitely that missing piece and i think everybody's aware of it right now (laughs)
0: Yeah. yeah, and like honestly, like if we were middle of the pack or even like, you know, around 20th in the NHL in scoring, I think we would be having very different games, you know. Yeah. If our if our defense stayed as well. And I think that missing piece, and I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit later that it there are hints that it will be found outside the organization. Um I think Tierney is having I know that Tierney is having a career year so far. Mhm. Um, He currently has seven goals and four assists for 11 points, I think. But I know he has seven goals. And uh, that is up there with, I think, his rookie year. And uh, for the the whole season. Across, I think he played 50 games that year. So uh, he's doing well. I think uh, the Ducks game at the beginning of the month in November, uh, Don Stoy kind of had his coming out party. Uh, He scored... I think he scored both goals and then the shootout goal and the shootout goal was beautiful. Yeah. And, uh, I think that was kind of his coming out party and, um, showing that he can, um, that he's, that he is the player. He showed glimpses of his rookie season and definitely into the, the Stanley cup run that we had. Um, you know, earlier in the season he had bumped he had been bumped all the way down to the fourth line, uh, and was kinda of jumping around, but at this point he he earned himself some top line minutes and then he got stuck on the line with Couture and they've been killing it, so um I think it was the Hurdle, Couture and Donskoy line was basically for the month of November was was our best line and I think probably not sure if it still is, but it's definitely a great line. Uh, Don Skoy, obviously being injured now, it kind of sucks.
1: So wait, so what's your point about um, talking about Christiani right now? Are you suggesting a trade? So
0: I'm saying, yeah, yeah. So I'm saying, um, I'm not suggesting to take okay. a trade Christiani. I'm saying <laughs> our scoring was. I feel like when we put it all together, we're the 2015-2016 Sharks, and when we're just missing everyone were last year's and we're getting a few were this year. And, you know, if Burns is Burns gets going, he finally got his first goal of the season this this month or even just last game or something Against really, really Vegas, recently. I think. Yeah. It uh you know, Tierney's going uh Donsko going. If we can get Burns going, that'll be better. Even these last two games he's been starting to be a little bit more shifty instead of just you know, hammering pucks through people's legs, trying and trying and trying to get it through. I feel like he's taking um, a little more, like, quick little moves to draw a defender towards him and then pass it away, which I think is really good. And as people harp on him as much as he can and really pressure him on the defensive side, he should exploit that. Mm. Um, I think we kind of are seeing where Hurdle is gonna be right now. Um not sure if scoring is his best talent, but he's definitely can do that. And um uh defensively he's he's doing great as well. But yeah, I think he this is he's on a bridge contract right now just to see, you know, see if he can prove it. And he's had injuries kinda hamper him for a while and Um, We really would love to see him break out. So I think if, you know, he did, I'm not sure if he will, but if he did, you know, Meyer did, uh, everyone kind of chipped in a bit more like uh, Tierney and and Donsko are doing. um, I think Doug Wilson's plan of getting, solving Marla leaving by committee would be better. Um, But I believe, I I don't want to talk for too long, but... I think you should talk about uh, the issue with trying to bring in Bodker for so- scoring and how that left the hole to be filled as well.
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, well, I think after the Stanley Cup run year 2015-2016, uh, we didn't really lose any key pieces offensively. And so... but
0: we needed some scores as our, as our core was aging.
1: Yes. I mean, yeah, you're always trying to kind of pad pad your team to account for future losses and, you know, Thornton and Patty were a question mark coming at the end of that season. And Vodeker was coming off of a 50 point season in Arizona, sorry, um, Arizona and Colorado. Um, And, you know, obviously we know the story last year, he, was kind of into Boer's uh, doghouse and he hasn't really performed um, up to expectations. But I think Boddicker is kind of interesting because every once in a while he adds like an interesting piece to the way the team plays, like based on what I see him, he, he, he kind of plays, he adds a different element to what the system usually brings that the Sharks play of kind of, um, Bringing in the zone, establishing um, the cycle game. And sometimes Bodker will get the puck and he'll hold on to it and like skate up to the blue line and skate around and kind of mix things up a little bit. I just wish that that was a bit more effective because while it's created maybe uh, something different, you know, that maybe the other teams aren't expecting, it's not it hasn't really translated to that much execution and efficacy and actually him pr- producing a lot of goals. I probably said that in a lot of words, but my point yeah. is he, he doesn't really fit with the system too well. And that, and I think it- that could be good if it was like, you know, your are I don't know if this is a proper expression, like your ace in the hole or like this other thing you could bring to throw teams off, but he, he, he's not executing. And so that's kind of yeah. a failed, uh, a failed thing so far. And I guess, yeah, I don't know. What do you think beyond yeah, and
0: that? Yeah, I think I think the uh, the people were kind of writing off last season as a, a fluke, and obviously that makes Podker's four million dollar contract with you know having a a, a very bad season uh, a huge issue. Mm-hmm. Given that we we're trying to, it seems like we're trying to get back to the Stanley Cup and you know win, win more so now than kind of start to rebuild. Um, we we paid him four million to get some scoring that we weren't sure we were going to get that we did the year before. Don Scoy had a. Uh, um which, which Sco was a rookie. You don't always know if that's going to be sustained. Yeah. Uh, Tierney definitely had a career year um, in the playoffs. He was doing really well. Again, you don't know if that's going to be sustained. So, yeah. So, we, we it got Bogker to try to get our scoring up, but instead of bringing up our scoring, he just added another player that crowds our bottom line that takes up too much money. <laughs> And then Marlo leaves, and then not only do we have to deal with Bodker not scoring like we we are paying him to, now we have to solve, you know, Marlo's departure as well, and it. And then I think at the quarter of the way through the season, it's fairly fairly obvious that the Sharks need something from outside the organization. Kevin LeBanks' development is not going the way he'd like it to right now, and I people will blame DeBoer for putting him up and down the lines and having a shorter leash on him than the veterans. Um, but I don't disagree with DeBoer's methods. I think even um, Donskoy was interviewed, I think, by Kevin Kurz or by a writer, I think, by Curtis Bish- Um Someone from the Mercury News about uh, how DeBoer... And how he's having a resurgence this season. And he talked about how DeBoer handled him, you know, demoting him down the lineup and such as he's trying to find scoring. And Donskoy was very appreciative and praised DeBoer, saying that he always knew exactly where he stood with DeBoer. And he always felt that he deserved the demotions. And he was very clear about what needed to happen Mm. and why he was being sent down. And I think as a professional athlete, you If you want to win and be successful in your career, obviously as a fan, I'm a fan. I'm not an athlete doing this at the highest level, but literally everyone says it's all about compete. And you see someone like Pavelski, definitely not not the best skater, not the best athlete, but his compete level is off the charts, which is a buzzword, but it's very clear from him going 200th plus overall to scoring 300 career goals. That is a huge factor. Yeah. So I think it teaches, it teaches players like LeBanc with this, you know, amazing God-given talent with shooting the puck specifically with LeBanc. He maybe has the best shot on the team, definitely as a forward with his wrist shot. He does. Okay, great. Use that, but you still have to play the game in the system that we're given, and you are defining where you will play by the play you play every night. Yeah. You know, you can play your hardest and DeBoer going to reward you for that if you do well.
1: So, I mean, you're kind of hitting on something that I think we've chatted about a bit in the last few weeks, but because obviously we're talking about a, a couple of different players now. I mean, you brought up uh, Bodker and Donskoy and LeBanc and everything and, you know, what DeBoer is doing to give these players ice time, you know, whether they're performing well and meeting the expectations, what the team's doing and the team expects. Um, so I want to raise that question of, of, you know, is the problem coming from the players and, and, uh, everybody, the theme was, you know, everybody has to contribute and, and pot some more goals by committee kind of to replace the production that's lost because uh, of Marlowe leaving. Um, but also, you know, is there more of like a systemic problem? And this has been brought up in the past with, uh, you know, the power plays woes and people wanting Steve Spot to to leave because you know that's mainly his job. <laughs> At least we think um, to kind of run yeah, the power. No, play. that's
0: it's been confirmed that it is his. That yeah, it is his job. Right. However, so, it may not be his only job. Right.
1: Right. But it, to me, you know, personally, I think it's. I think it's a little bit of both. I think we've, I've told you before, I'm really pleased with, you know, if you were to tell me, you know, look at the San Jose Sharks was good about them. You know, their defense is top notch, really happy. with Their defense this here. They're goaltending like from the starter to the backup. Really good. But when it comes to the offensive system, like there's some things that I like, like our p- ability to possess the puck and, you know, sometimes just get things going and, and hold possession and even play uh, like at a good pace at times. But the fact that the way that they're always trying to generate their chances is so repetitive and, and um, predictable. Uh, it, it seems like there's things I like, but it seems like I don't like what's the end result of what's happening of us not scoring because it seems like we're just doing the same thing again, shooting from the point. Hoping for tips, hoping for deflections, hoping for second chances that are rare, and um but to me what since there are a lot of things out I, I like, I think what would need to change is actually relatively you know changing a little bit of things here and there to kind of throw the teams off wouldn't you agree that when teams play us they they they're generally gonna know our game plan
0: yeah, um, I think you had a question earlier in there as well. Mm. Um, I talked a lot, so I don't remember How, how <laughs> the forwards are, are doing And what they, what's being expected of them mm. Yes um, I think we're at 25 games played We're recording uh, the beginning of December right now December 2nd, just after the, the Lightning game And Couture has 21 points in 25 games He's doing great Donskoy, 12 points, 23 games. Tierney, 10 points, 25 games. Hurdle, 14 points, 25 games. And I have them sc- sorted in goal scoring, so I probably should read that. But it goes, Kachur, Donskoy, Tierney, Hurdle, Pavs. And then everyone below them has less than five goals. Yeah. So Kachur with 13, Donskoy and Tierney with 7, and Hurdle with 5 and Pavs with 5. And then there are some people who are below that. And that just, uh, I don't, maybe it's just me, but that just doesn't, like, you don't, Pavs should not have five goals. Pavs, like, Pavs hasn't scored in, a, like, a month. He just for scored the, l- He scored the night. 300th goal. Yeah. But before that, it was almost, or if exactly, a month without
1: scoring. I heard it was his longest Streak, streak without career, like a yeah. yeah streak without a goal um
0: yeah and it wouldn't surprise me you know he has the second most goals scored in the league in the past like three seasons yeah behind ovechkin ovechkin is at 18 goals this season yeah 19 actually he just he scored tonight um and pavs is at five clearly pavs is not ovechkin and we all know that but pavs should be closer to the couture rather than. You know, tied for fourth,
1: yeah,
0: or tied for third. So I think even some of our best players are not doing very well. Some of some people are having, you know, some. You know, Donskoy and Tierney are doing exactly what we want them to do, great. But then at the bottom we have Lebanc with three goals. And
1: two of which were in the first first game of the season yeah
0: exactly so he's done very poorly for a while and then Timo Meyer who arguably has done very well with his shot selection and and getting chances is only at two goals like it has not paid off for him yeah and then there's a long list of people who are goalless or at like one two or three goals yes so if you you know bring up Timo and you bring up and you bring up um, LeBanc, give him another like three goals each, then we have a long, we have very few scoring. Like we don't score a lot on our team, but everyone is scoring. Mm-hmm. That helps. That but I helps. think these people who we're counting on, her, specifically Hurdle, LeBanc, and Meyer are not living up to expectations. I think probably the most is uh LeBanc. Yeah. I think he's definitely struggling with his positioning and uh early in the season he's taking a lot of dumb penalties. I think right now he has the most to go. Uh Hurdle is doing doing well. I'd like to see him do better. I know he I can feel do like
1: better. he's he's been kind of streaky, you know. Yeah. He's had yeah, times definitely. where he's been like, "Oh, good, he's having a good game." And sometimes it's like, "Oh, where's Hurdle?"
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I I think since forming that second line of Kachur Hurdle and since he's been playing on the wing, yeah. Kachur Hurdle and Donskoy, they've been killing it. So, I'm I I think he's doing well. I just I just wish he'd be converting more. I want him to score like it was his rookie season, you know.
1: I would add also that even if you look, at, I think you're making great points about even if, if if those lower scoring players scored a little bit more, it would make a difference. But think about if you just looked at Brent Burns on his own compared to exactly. the last two seasons, he was probably at like, I don't know, this is rough, but between five and ten goals at this point in the season, and yeah, he, he only has one considering goal. He didn't
0: score for the last twenty games of the season, right? You know, he was basically at like 25 or twenty, twenty
1: nine
0: 29 or something like that. Yeah. For, from game 60 onwards.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. He was on such a high, high pace. But the fact that he's, yeah. he's got 12 points exactly. total and only one goal. And uh, you would, very different from the last two seasons in terms of the productivity that we get from the blue line, just from Burns.
0: Yeah. Uh I think a lot of that I think a lot of that has to do with Bugner leaving. You think? Um oh for sure. I think Burns would say that as well.
1: But you think um, you think he's that's affected him so so much where that's the reason that he's not scoring?
0: Oh, like oh, I miss my friend type thing? No, I think Bugner connected with him on a on a coaching level. I had just read an interview saying that Bugner recognized that Burns responds very well to positive coaching instead of like uh firmer coaching like you need to be better uh just praising his successes instead of minimizing failures. Yeah. Um cause he said uh Bugner Bugner said that Burns uh puts a lot on a lot of responsibility on himself and he'll be thinking about a mistake he made like ten minutes prior well- you know in the game 10 minutes later you know and he he can't just move on and let it go he he dwells too much on stuff so he said that when burns was feeling good and very positive like he he was playing better yeah so and that was that was in an article recently i think again when we went to florida one of the beat reporters stopped and interviewed bugner but yeah, exactly what you're saying. Burns on the rate he was last year, even better than he is now. Um you know, that's our season looks a little bit a little bit different, you mm. know, given the lack of scoring we've had. But yeah. Um What what do you
1: think what do you think needs to happen in terms of bringing something outside the organization to help what's going on?
0: Um yeah, definitely. I think before I answer that, you, you also had what do I think about the system and how it needs to change. Oh right, yeah. Yeah, I do think the um I I've started to appreciate the system a little bit more. Uh because it is frustrating, just like go to the boards, high low, high, low, high, low. And then if you look at it from the defenders point of point of view, the defenders being the opposing team in their defensive zone. Yeah. Uh it's a lot of skating and a lot of physical board play and a lot of physical sprinting to the points and then sprinting back down, which is extremely tiring. And when you're tired, you make mistakes. And the more you make the players move, like move out towards the point or across to the other side, that's how you get players out of position. So I do, I think I've started to appreciate the high low cycle a bit. Um, because I do think it's a way to get players, get defenders out of position. Um, the cycle goes high-low. Uh, a player stays on the boards for a second later. The defender loses sight of him. And then the player sneaks in on the back side and is open. You know, because that other player, the other defender has to rush to the point. Or if everything goes across, they have to go to the center. So...
1: Yeah, I see what you're saying. Someone I mean,
0: getting, I, someone getting arrested.
1: <laughs> Sorry my my walls are very thin and the windows open. <laughs> yeah. Some, somebody's well, getting sounds arrested like you're safe, right so outside. Good. <laughs> right outside.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> uh, no, I see. Yeah. I,
0: so I, I think I do appreciate that. Yeah. I, I will say we we have criticized the reliance on only keeping it on the outside, and I think the sharks have been doing better the past like maybe three or four games with uh, cycling high and low like we do because we do want to activate our defenseman because that is core to our play. And I think there are benefits to doing that high to low cycle to get defending players out of position. But when we only stay on the boards and we don't cut in to make moves towards the slot and taking point shots from the slot and we only take shots from the low to high cycle and it comes back down on a shot from the point, I think that's where we need to change play. I think we oh, need definitely. to come in come in from the wings and the half wall closer to the center of the ice. Yeah, definitely. For these plays.
1: I agree, but you know, I I totally agree with what you're saying, like I said earlier, there's a lot of the system that I like, but I think there's, you know, nuances that need a change that can help, and I think what you just said um is really good. And also because I think what you said about uh the defensive players on the other team having to you know, uh play along the board, skate more, they get tired, they have the, the tendency to be more prone to be out of position. Um, that's great and everything. But when I see us when I see us work the offensive zone for like a minute and then it just leads us to shooting in the defender's legs that and it shoots out of the zone. That's just an example, but something that may happen, I don't know, fairly often, that, that's frustrating, you know? Like you totally. you created all that work in the offensive zone. You looked great. To not even get a shot on net, like not even a bad exactly. chance from the point, which like you at least got a shot on net and everything for maybe second opportunities, but you shot into a defender's legs. Like where was where was the extra bit that could have been there to create that lane to get the defenders out of position so you have an open shot to the net, you know? I'm not saying this happens every time, but like it's things like that that frustrate me about our system.
0: Yeah. yeah, totally. I, I agree with you. Uh, I think our play tires out defenders faster than other systems, for sure. I think because it, it we force the defenders to come at us instead of moving around the zone and they mentally have to keep track of player movement. I think we force them to physically move, which uh, I think leads other teams to be tired like when defending us quicker than other ones. Yes. I think we do get to points where we really start to, if we keep that cycle going, I really think we start to tire down other teams much faster than other systems do. Yeah. However, I totally agree. Like a simple thing is Burns gets the high low cycle goes from low to high. Burns receives it in the right point, And instead of just immediately taking a shot on net, Walk over towards the center, draw a defender, and the wing on the half boards on that same right side is open for a little, sh- uh, not scoop pass, saucer pass over that defender's stick, and then they have a lot of time and space right there. And even if they shoot from there, that's a higher scoring chance, and you get a de- you can easily, more easily get a deflection to the other side or a, a rebound to the other side to tap it in. And I think they've they've done that occasionally in the power play, but I'd like to see that more. Plays like using the defense to pull them out and make the defense guess because the defense knows you're gonna shoot every time, instead of pass. Sometimes it makes them it prevents them from thinking. Yeah, and if they're not thinking, then their job is easier. Right, right, right. So yeah, and I I think that's basically the major score the major points that we have against. The team's system, I think, is just that. We stay along. We we get too familiar with the perimeter, and we stay along the perimeter and never go inside.
1: Yeah, it seems like a comfortable place to keep your possession going, but when it actually comes to going for the throat, you know, <laughs> and, and trying to score, um, like, you need to take it a step further. And, you know, I don't know, maybe... It would seem like it would just be just just do that extra move, do that extra work it takes to get more towards the center of the ice to get more chances in the slot. But I am obviously yeah, totally. not an expert. and I it, don't Exactly. Know. We're not coaches. Yeah.
0: And neither, neither are other bloggers. You know? <laughs> yeah. unless, you're, unless you're like writing for The Athletic or for The Mercury News who actually employ like ex-NHL employees or, you know, players that have played the game at the college level or higher. You know, yeah. like we are in the same group as everyone else. This is just our thoughts. We don't really know, but I think most people would agree. Right. Yeah. But I think um, I sufficiently answered that question and I'll move to the other one you, you posed. But I'd like to hear what you said first is I think we both agree Maybe we don't. Do you agree that the Sharks need to go outside of the system, outside of the organization, to to fill our scoring issues?
1: Well, I always get excited about potential trades and everything. They make me nervous thinking about who we might lose and if it's a player I like. And I pretty much like every player. <laughs> yeah, I think there... we can take a moment
0: just to let all of our listeners know that Miggs is, <clears throat> kindly put, he is the most nostalgic person on earth. <laughs> which is not a bad thing like it's very endearing and it's very fun especially having known him for so long but if we talk about trading anyone even in hypotheticals and it's not someone like let me just throw a name out there that will bother you okay that's a possibility
1: okay are you Um, you texting it to me
0: (laughs) no okay um who was uh who is it? justin braun oh
1: no. <laughs> no see now i can go into this whole story about how justin braun was on the team when it and he was a, like one of the new players when i started watching the sharks more and so losing him would be like losing part of the team that i knew orig- originally when i started getting really into the sharks and that would make me really sad and Yes, don't trade Justin Braun. He's so good. He should play for the U.S. Olympic team, but that's not going to happen for any <laughs> country, probably. It's not going to happen for any reason now. <laughs> so but if, if they were going to the Olympics, then okay. he should be what on about, the U.S. Olympic team.
0: What about Tierney?
1: Yeah, I'm definitely less attached to Tierney, but I definitely think that he, when he came oh, in his rookie season or he first started playing, I was like, dang, this guy has skill, and I liked him. And Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I but this season, I guess it's a little bit different. Like I would be, I guess I would be more okay to part ways.
0: I think because it, it's so obvious that we have a need. I think my I, fan I think we both soul
1: agree. has been deadened a little bit because of the loss of Patrick Marlowe. So I'm just like, yeah, all yeah, is like, for naught. This <one. laughs> is all terrible. It's just yeah, I think um, it gets to you. Yeah.
0: I also think having been a fan for longer and longer, you see more of your players that you like leave or Mm -hmm. retire or, you know, sign for other teams. So yeah, yeah, with time
1: I've been through losing Dan Boyle and losing Patrick Marlowe now. So those are, those are things to uh, make you uh, desensitized a little bit. (laughs) I agree. Yeah. I
0: definitely think the sharks need to go outside of the organization. Um, Currently have about six million in cap space, uh, which is great. Um, cap is supposed to go up, uh, reported by the Athletic. They believe it to go up closer to eighty million next year, so that's maybe one or two million extra in cap space. So it brings it up to maybe eight, or maybe it stays the same, or maybe it goes up by a little bit. Okay, so maybe a let's just say seven seven million in cap space. People are always saying we need to trade Bodker. Like who's going to take Bodker? Yeah. Like no one wants Bodker. Like if we trade Bodker, we'd have to. Retain we're going to have to salary. give. No, we're going to have to give even more. Yeah. We're going to have to retain salary, which then makes trading him kind of pointless. Uh-huh. And then we're also going to have to throw in something extra so that they actually take it. Like it's it's not, that's not going to go well. Right. But, so we've got maybe six six million at the end of the season if the cap goes up seven million joel ward i think it's fair to say he will not be re-signed by the sharks and if he is it will not be for three point two five two seven five million. 275 million i think the fact that he struggles and is scratched semi-frequently kind of shows that maybe his uh this is his last season or maybe he signs like a one-year deal or a two-year deal but it's not going to be for three so maybe we get another two million there cool same thing with Paul Martin. He makes 4.85. I think he's slowing down. He's 36 Ward's 37. Um I think you know Kim Ryan has showed that we maybe can be okay without him. Defensively, like obviously it's a hit to lose Paul Martin, but I think we could make a good trade or if we lose him to, you know, Utilize not signing him or somehow get rid of the space to, uh, yeah, I think i was saying. But if we can, you know, end up with his space, although his contract ends at the end of the 2018-2019 season, but that's that's almost five million right there. Mm-hmm. You know. Um.
1: So how big how big of a catch yeah, are so you thinking? What, I, what the, I'm saying the 10 is like, even without. <laughs>
0: Even without moving someone, it's not unreasonable to say that we could pretty easily swallow, you know, 7 million, 8
1: million. How high high are you thinking though, really?
0: I mean, there was, I was listening to the Dudes on Hockey podcast and they referenced an article that I had read from Elliot Friedman. It's kind of like his thoughts column. And uh, he was talking about how he had been hearing whispers and rumors of, you know, Doug Wilson trying to find, trying to make a move and saying that Doug Wilson's always on the phones. He's always sneaky and comes out with these huge deals that people don't really expect. And he just like, and he's like, but that's all I can say right now. Stay tuned.
1: Oh, dear. And when I. <laughs> that makes yeah, me when excited. I read
0: it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I read it, I just kind of was like, oh, yeah, like, I, I know that the sharks are. I don't know, but, you know, I heavily suspect that they're looking for someone. And I know that Doug Wilson doesn't really always go for the huge fish, but goes for maybe someone that not everyone, not the general public or intense hockey fan realized was, like, available. And it's always kind of a little bit surprising. And I just kind of brushed it off as, like, oh, yeah, that's, I always know that that's happening. But then the dudes, like, kind of, like, went over it on their podcast and they talked about it a little bit more intently and they read it. On the air, and I was like, oh my gosh, like, how did I miss this? This is so ominous. So, who knows what they're going after?
1: Oh, uh, dear. But, it, that's know, exciting, if, you know? Like, it's very it would exciting. be exciting to see another.
0: Yeah, I don't know how Blockbuster
1: means, you can get nowadays, but Doug Wilson pulls something just out of the hat. Like, yeah. what? Literally,
0: if we didn't move yeah. a single player, we could. We could just take $6 million in salary right away. Yeah. Logan Couture makes $6 million. Mm-hmm. You know, probably right now he'd probably make a little bit more, maybe like seven, seven and a half. But like, if we move someone to get an asset and we free up more cap room, man, like we can have, we have the ability to get a big fish. And I'm excited because I, I feel confident that. It's very clear that we're not really in the best position right now and our future isn't very bright. I think people like to talk about our prospects and we have, um, we basically have our, our big prospects, Lebank and, and Meyer in the NHL squad. We've got Sorensen. We have a couple player on the Barracuda, but I think a lot of people forget that most of our prospects, most of our uh, not most, but we have a, a lot of our higher, again, I said a lot. We have a handful of prospects who are in college who can't come to these training camps and play in these preseason games. And they can't, um, you know, be go to the AHL for development. They have to stay in college. Specifically, I'm thinking Dylan Gambrell, who I think was our second pick or maybe our third pick. He plays for Denver College. He won a national championship last year and, like, led the team to that championship. And he decided to go back this year and do it again instead of signing with the Sharks. So <clears throat> if, I mean, that's a player that's not on a ton of people's radar, uh, but that would be great to have him on the system. That's a huge bonus. But again, that's not going to solve our issues. But I, And then also our recent a few of our recent draft picks are, are in college now. So I think that's going to help us a little bit more than people suspect. I think some of our better prospects are there. But they aren't gonna solve our issue either. We don't have a a former first round pick who's like in our system and not yet in the NHL who's just like, you know, simmering and and just ripening and maturing and their play getting really good. So I think they're gonna go out and get someone. Obviously the big fish is John Tavares. Will that happen? Who knows? but if it happens oh my gosh
1: oh my goodness yeah though would...
0: oh my gosh <laughs> that would be amazing yeah what do you feel about Aaron Dell leaving the team
1: ah uh, i think you know i think <laughs>
0: because let me tell you he's not going to be in our team next year
1: no i know yeah i think it, it would make sense if, if we found the right deal and he being a valuable trade asset i think Him, but also we talked about Chris Tierney. I think a lot of people have figured him as a good, you know, young offensive player that has a season is going. Yeah. That has like, you know, he maybe still has a ways to maybe reach his ceiling. Perfect third line player. Yeah. But then we also have Tim Heed and and Joachim Ryan, you know, as we could probably package one of those guys as well. So we have some pieces that can be pretty valuable to some some teams that are struggling and maybe looking to build for the future. So I, I, it's interesting to see that we, you know, we have some pieces that could interest other teams. It's, it's just finding the right fit and finding the right return. And, um, you know, yeah, gold Aaron Dell. I think he's really good backup and everything, but he's not going to take Martin Jones, um, place as a starter. And, you know, I've always, ever since I've been like a big fan, um, You know the the backup goalie position cycles. You know every two or three years, maybe at most, and then you you're having another backup. So they move on. They become starters. They go to other teams. It's gonna yeah, like you said, he's not gonna be with the team next year most likely.
0: Well, even even besides the point, I mean, even besides of that, like the sharks have been blessed with overall pretty good goaltending for the majority of like the decade. Yes. Um there was a few years where Nemo wasn't as good as we wanted him to be, but for the most part he was still okay. Yeah,
1: he was middle um, of the pack at least, yeah.
0: Yeah, we haven't really had any issues with that. I think Aaron Dell has played out of the amount of games he's gonna start for. He's he's only gonna start I mean, he's starting more, but I think he's probably aiming to start like, you know, twenty 20 to 30 games a season instead of like that, maybe 10 to 20. He starts now. Right. But either way, he's going to get a lot more than his six to 625,000 that he currently makes. So I personally could see Aaron Dell and he also came out saying, or him and his agent saying that they're not even going to start talking contract until the end of the season. And he's currently a UFA. So that doesn't really bode well. Um, I think I, I could see him being, uh, turned at the trade deadline. I think there are a couple teams in the league right now that would definitely love to solidify their backup goalie position. Um, but I think I think we should start to wrap up and I, I'll leave I'll leave you with my last point. If we trade for a player who is of the 6 million dollar 8 million, 10 million whatever cap hit range, we are losing Someone like Justin Braun or Brendan Dillon. Plus, I'm I'm talking like any selection of Braun, Dillon, you know, Heed, people below that. Plus, like Meyer, Donskoy, like Tierney, like we're losing. Like if we packaged Hurdle and Braun. And like a second You're round pick me. or a first round pick. You're
1: hurting me right now.
0: Yeah, but that's what it's <laughs> gonna take to get John Tavares. When people are like, Oh yeah, we can give them uh Marcus Sorensen, he's good. Uh Mikkel Bodker, and then we'll we'll also give him Brendan Dillon. Like and then we'll and then and then a second round pick and, and then we'll get John Tavares.
1: <laughs> it's like Who says that?
0: No people on Twitter and some other people saying like, "Oh yeah, we should trade Mikhail Bodker for whoever we're gonna try and get. Maybe Doug Wilson's gonna, you know, wave a magic wand like <laughs> he always does. Maybe Doug
1: Wilson is gonna drug another GM and and convince him to sign sign a deal like that, right?"
0: <laughs> Let's not go with the drug reference, but maybe call him to the point where you just say uh, yes to have him stop calling him. But yeah, we're gonna our team will be just wear him down different. with
1: incessant calling. Yeah. Yeah, no, Apparently I don't think that's, that's how reputation. that works. Base <laughs> that's not gonna happen.
0: Yeah. But uh No, I get your yeah, point. If if we make a if we make a trade, you're gonna have to have some forced nostalgia and it's gonna be we're gonna lose a big part, but we're gonna gain a big part. And we're gonna lose a big part from our defense that's currently our position in strength. And if we lost Braun, I think Dylan would be moved up into Braun's spot and I think Joachim Ryan and Tim Heed have shown that they can uh, you Form know, fill pair. out that bottom pairing and we can move. I think we have some people in the AHL who we could pull up or if we got someone back and we probably would be worse defensively, but it wouldn't be too bad.
1: <sighs> yeah. With especially how strong we are just <clears throat> as a team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, I could see, I could see something like that happening, but you know, I really don't know. I do. You, I guess the question is, do you think that something like this will happen by the trade deadline?
0: I think that something like this will happen by the trade deadline. Yes,
1: do you think a trade like this will be made? Like we've been discussing.
0: Um I think there's more opportunity to it, but I could also see it happening in the off season. I basically I, I don't know, we're, we're going to play Doug Wilson's waiting game and it really depends on you know, maybe what some other teams are looking like towards the trade deadline and, and really what we're looking like. If we're looking, you know, if we go on a roll or something like that, I doubt we'll make it, right? If, if we're like leading the Pacific going in, I don't feel like we would trade our best, you know, make a major trade, you know, to make our team, you know, better in the long run. I don't think I could see that happening. If we're on the bubble, I could see that happening, but it. I think... GMs are most willing to, you know, make some moves around the trade deadline or a little bit before it. So I'm going to go with the yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think so. I think people have already started to heavily criticize Doug Wilson for his lack of response for having Marlowe leaving and the bet on, you know, scoring by committing to fill up Marlowe's departure. Well, I think was a legit. Option. I think the percentage of success for that option was not enough to bet it on without making any moves. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't think that was high enough probability of success to literally just do nothing and count on it. Um, so I think he's already getting a little bit of knocks there. So I think he's, I, I would suspect that he would make the move sooner. Um, I think we have enough data 25 games in to show that we have a serious issue and we have a position of strength.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think something will happen as well. Yeah. Cool. Uh,
0: anything else? I think we should go to wrap it up. We've gone a little bit long, but we also didn't record for a month, so. Oh,
1: yeah. I think just for our listeners, we'll try and um, from here on out, try and uh, schedule some more regular recording times. Um, yep. I know we always say every week and half to two weeks, but we'll we'll actually try and um, yep. schedule something in our calendars to make that a reality and not just life a dream. Is, <laughs> <So> life,
0: li- <laughs> this is dream. This is dream. Life, yeah. is, <laughs> life is a little busy for us. Uh, I'm having a daughter, so oh. I'm very excited about that. Oh, why don't you tell also, me? Ha- <laughs> I did tell you. <laughs>
1: I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So
0: my wife and I are very excited for that. Um, so obviously that makes us a little bit more busy uh, our life will get definitely a lot more busy around April, March, when the baby is, the baby's due April 15th, so maybe around that time it'll be a little bit hectic. But, hey, paternity leave during the playoffs. so <laughs> We've also got in. some time
1: to figure out some, some regular scheduling yeah, so, uh, and so at least we'll, practice we'll that job. before then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think with that, you can follow me at I changed my changed my Twitter handle to make it easier to say on air. So I'll say it. It's at Ian said so at Twitter. <clears throat> so you can follow me there, you subscribe, listen to us. I like to live tweet the games a bit. I like to have some a little bit of analysis going on there. You can also follow us at, at underscore back to the point and where can they follow you, Migs?
1: Well, if you'd really like my Twitter handle, it is at DMigs22. That's at the letter D, as in dog, Migs22. <laughs> uh, the letter 2. The you letter know, two. I always liked I always liked the number 22 even before Dan Boyle. So it's not just because yeah. of Dan Boyle. But, um, yeah. yeah, and I haven't posted that much stuff yet, but maybe I'll start to do that some more now.
0: We'd love to, yeah.
1: All right, All right. well. We'll see you next time. Yeah, talk to you next time, bud.